On this episode of Hit the Deck. The Winter Classic is pretty special, but not just for the reasons you're thinking. Mr. Bob Sweeney thought it would be a great idea to play deck hockey to celebrate the Special Olympics on New Year's Eve on the grounds where the uh, Winter Classic would be played. And up in Canada, they know how to party till the cows come home. Hockey style. The Cowichan Valley, Vancouver, the uh, Rogers Hometown Hockey Tour. They even had more than 700 hockey players. Plus, is watching TV good for your health? This is actually using sensors and I guess very sensitive cameras. And it can actually use these algorithms to predict what is going to lead to injury. All this and more coming up on this episode of Hit the Deck. And think. And the home of the brave. Welcome to episode 120 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And before I say anything else, I want to say to you, dear listener, a very happy and healthy new year. New year, same pod. We are back in the saddle after uh, what was an unexpected two-week hiatus, I believe, only expected to take the one off with the scrimmage, but you know what? It it worked out. It just worked out that uh, actually this was my fault that we didn't give you pod last week because my lovely wife gave me Rangers tickets. Uh, they lost in overtime, but that's neither here nor there. So I apologize for that, but at least I missed the podcast because of hockey. So I guess that's the tiniest of moral victories. I don't know. That's for you to decide. Anyway, Before we go any further, I am going to jump right back into the good habit that we tried to start last year, and that is to jump right into tonight's starting lineup for your benefit. So, for tonight's starting lineup and goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American Rhino, Gary McComiskey, and, of course, my champion at the bit co-host. For this night, number 01... On defense, I'm James Sajazi. How are you, James? I'm doing really well. How about yourself, sir? I'm all right. Before we proceed, you have to tell the listeners why you are 01. I mean, I know because you pointed at the thing that you're wearing so I could see it. But as this is an audio medium and they cannot see what I'm seeing, please elaborate. Would be happy to. Thank you. Thank you to your generosity. The American Rhino gave me an amazing hockey jersey for Christmas, as this is the third one that I could think of in a row where uh, Gary has made an incredible hockey jersey and so generously gave it to me at Christmas time. I mean, I didn't sew it. Like, I didn't didn't make it. You designed it. I didn't even uh, do that. You're too darn humble. Anyway, Gary gave me this amazing General Lee Dukes of Hazzard, which I didn't even, even dream of. It's so amazing. A hockey jersey it's orange it's got the 01 and, and uh, on, on the arms like the General Lee itself the name on the back is General Lee and it's got the uh, the rebel flag with uh, with cross sticks on it and it's not the confederate flag everybody so don't get your uh, 
dander up or whatnot, but um, much appreciated. And on top of all that, how awesome this jersey is. It says Dukes on the front, like Ranger style. And, and I love the, uh, the tie down style of the, the modern jerseys, or at least the old sweater style. And um, you even gave me a keychain with the Dixie horn on it, which sounds amazing. So that was a nice little touch and, and added bonus. So thank you so much. And that, that's why I'm 0-1 tonight instead of regular number four. If I ever score a goal wearing this jersey, I have to break out the Dixie horn. So thank you. <laughs> that's it. Yes. So uh, you are welcome for that. And I honestly, I can't take credit, even though I'm sure you'd like to give it to me. I mean, yes, I, I was the one who had it made up. But uh, actually, the credit for the design goes to Dave from Dave's Geeky Hockey and Dave's Geeky Ideas. He actually designed this very jersey many years ago, and I tried to put in an offer to buy it because it was offered up for sale. However, there were not enough orders to justify going ahead with the run. And so I was not able to buy it from from him. Well, not him directly, but from the site that he had uh, an arrangement with that makes jerseys at the time. My order was canceled. So this past year, I took it into my head to say, you know what? I'm going to take another stab at this. I reached out to him directly. I said, would you mind if I used this design? I have a buddy who would really love this jersey. He said, no, by all means, go ahead. And he sent me his artwork. And I was able to go to our friends at Sublimation Kings and get a one-off jersey made up, which he didn't know about. He didn't know about the service of Sublimation Kings. So, in fact, this experience might actually wind up helping other people down the line in a similar situation. So, anyway, thank you, Dave. Dave Delisle, I believe is his name. So, you know credit to you for that. And that's the beauty of this podcast too. We're just trying to bring the hockey community together in so many ways. So well done American Rhino, especially at Christmas time, beautifully done. And speaking of Christmas, if you want to see this jersey, I was wearing it on the scrimmage that we recorded with uh, Superfan Sue. So thank you. That's when the American Rhino gave it to me. So it was a complete surprise. I'm still thrilled by it and I can't believe it. And I love looking at it and wearing it. So thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, James, would you mind taking a picture and posting that on our Instagram account for our listeners? Good idea. Will do, sir. Thank you so much. And how have you been otherwise? How was your Christmas? How was your New Year's? It's been that long since we spoke on, on the podcast. Yeah, really. Uh, Christmas was amazing. It just went way too fast. I was grateful to have at least three days off, which was amazing. I didn't get Christmas. Eve off, but somehow I stayed up through midnight mass. And uh, but Christmas itself was incredible. Uh, nice weather too, which was nice in in, in the uh, East Coast. And uh, New Year's was nice and quiet. Nice is the key word here for both holidays, and um, just really enjoyed them both. How about yourself? That was good. Uh, I, I well, it was it was. I as I bragged, I think last time on the podcast, I had the whole week between Christmas and New Year's off, so that was nice. I needed that time to relax and recover. I actually wound up being sick for Christmas, ah. which is unfortunate, but, uh, you know, it happens. So I I wound up missing Christmas Eve with my wife's family, but I was able to soldier through and, and get to mass and, and do Christmas with my family and my wife's mother uh, in the evening. So that was, you know, Christmas Day, which was better, a little better. I, I think the problem... The problem, James, was I was sick and then I thought I was getting better. So I did. I made the foolish decision to play hockey <laughs> uh, the, the day before Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve Eve. And that didn't work out for me so well. <laughs> I, I was it was so like 
I realized almost immediately that this was a bad decision, but especially when I, so what happened is I, I split the goaltending duties. We played four games that day and uh, Dan Schwartz played the first two and I was out of the net. I was, you know, playing out. I actually had a goal and an assist. Um, hey, great. Yeah. Good for me. And I, um, I, I played two games in net and I knew this was a mistake when I actually found myself during play down on all fours, coughing my lungs out. Oh, jeez. Uh, and if you know me, then you know that I hate to take myself out of the play for any reason. So the fact that I made a conscious decision to, well, I mean, by conscious decision, I mean, I acknowledge that there was really not a lot I could do at that point. But the fact that I was down just indulging in a coughing fit while play was continuing around me, that should say something about my physical state. So, well, uh, and my mental state, considering I, I, I went on to, to, you know, play another game after that. Well, thank God you're alive. And uh, Georges Vezina is smiling down from heaven at you. Uh, fellow goalie, if you don't know who Mr. Vezina is, we've talked about this legendary hockey player in the past. And please look him up if you don't know him. He has a trophy named after him because he was that great. But the point being, he was such a trooper. The man played in goal with tuberculosis. And, and he passed away because he wouldn't come out of the game with TB. So that's uh, you goalies are special. You're tough as nails. And God bless you all. Well, fortunately, I seem to have survived my goaltending experience. Unfortunately, my stick did not. That that oh, was, no. it, was a, it was a bad sign. And I guess it's what I get for pushing myself when I shouldn't have. In the last game that I played in net that day, one of my teammates accidentally stepped on my stick and, and broke it. So uh, that's what happened. So I didn't get any hockey related gifts from Santa this year, but I think I'm going to be bringing myself a new stick as soon as I can find a good bargain. All right. Good luck with that. Thank sir. you. Although I will say I do have a hockey adjacent gift and I'm using it at this very moment. Santa brought me a brand new microphone and a uh, stand uh, like a, um, uh, I forget what you call it. Um, not a gooseneck. Uh, one of those like arms, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the arms that you, I'm, I'm moving my hand and my arm back and forth as if you can understand what I'm talking about by, by doing that. But you know, it's one of those arms that like professionals hang stuff on. I don't know. Uh, like lamps are often you, you get those like lamps that that are on the extendable arms that kind of go back and forth. They have the springs and the dual like metal anyway. So I'm using that for the podcast. So hopefully you can hear a difference. And if not, well, I'm happy with it anyway. All right. Well, I'll make a deal with you since I have to post a picture of my beautiful jersey. Would you mind posting a picture of your new rig on our Instagram feed for the listener at home? I suppose I can do that. It's really, it looks, it sounds fantastic and it looks even better. So I think you should share that with everybody. I'll take the picture as we speak. Fancy schmancy. And yes, if you're not familiar with that, dear listener, then just think Howard Stern or something. It's, it's a pro setup for the professional that the American Rhino is. And that is his dedication to this fine podcast. So we hope that you appreciate the effort. All right. I've taken pictures of my setup. Well done. Thank you.
All right. So, well, uh, did you get any hockey-related gifts from Santa this year, James? This phenomenal jersey, but uh, no, I did not. Unfortunately, 2018, I'm very happy that it's over. I hardly played any deck hockey at all during the year. I do need a replacement blade from an incident from one game that I played (laughs) But uh, other than that, no, I did not get any new gear. Um, I think the last piece of gear I got was on my birthday. My brother bought me a much needed, beautiful new hockey bag, which I literally put my old bag inside of it with all of my gear in it. So, uh, but no, um, I didn't ask Santa for anything uh, hockey related. So this jersey was really stands out even more now. All right. Well, don't get used to it. (laughs) I'm running out of ideas. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, you've spoiled me, but I, I, I yeah, uh, this this was go out on top, as they say. So th- you're not going to get one better than this. At least I, I won't get one better than this. So thank you. Yeah, I seem to remember when I gave it to you, you uttering the words, I may not take this off. So <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, that's the great thing about the uh, Sublimation Kings, too, is the, the material that they use is um, it wicks and uh, it stays clean and it doesn't smell either. So <laughs> there's... Really, I can just wear it every day if I wanted to. They do have a couple of they have a couple of options. They have the this is the lighter roller, I think, style jersey, and they have a heavier, you know, ice like weight Mm -hmm. jersey. But since James and I often play in the warmer weather, I found that when getting these custom jerseys made, the lighter roller weight you know style of jersey is is you know the better bet because it's not as heavy and hot yeah and it's very comfortable so very very good option and and well thought out not that sublimation kings is a sponsor or anything although if they want to (laughs) be you've certainly given them enough business (laughs) we will gladly take your money yeah that goes for anybody out there Mm mm-hmm well, James, is there anything else that bears discussing before we get into it? I think that's it. Thank you, sir. All right. Sure. Well, we do have a full, full schedule here on the podcast, so I guess it would behoove us to jump right into the hockey proper. Oh, you know what? Before we do that, I find myself doing this a lot, and I apologize. I'm not trying to play with you, listener, or you know, do the... Uh, Uh, here it is coming right up. But first, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to mess with you. I just have a bad memory and I remember things right when I'm about to start something else. Yeah, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention. So I said, as I said, I did play hockey uh, a couple weeks ago. That was two days before Christmas. And then I wound up playing again this past weekend. And uh, that was entirely in goal. But one thing I noticed and... uh, it it seemed pretty pronounced to me, I guess, because I played evenly that, that day between playing out and playing in net. It seemed to me that the periods went a lot faster or felt a lot faster when I was playing out than when I was playing in net. I don't know if that's because I was changing and, and you know, I was so focused on the action when I was on for a shift. And then when I was off, I was just so focused on recovering or, or what I really... I don't know. I can't account for the discrepancy, but yeah, just from a perception standpoint, it really, the games felt like they went a lot quicker when I was playing out than when I was playing in net. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I think you nailed it right on the head there is that when you're in goal, you're in goal. So from start to finish, there's nowhere to hide unless something catastrophic happens. That goalie is going to start the game and end the game and play every minute of the hockey game. So that makes sense. Yeah. When you're 
you have shifts and, and especially that that's a great thing to have when you're playing deck hockey too, because uh, you need them to get some uh, recovery time. So that makes sense that, yeah, even if as, as fair as the LIQ is, and I'm sure majority of the deck hockey leagues out there, everybody's very fair and generous with, with ice time or deck time, so to speak. But yeah, that you, you do have to do your shift, run out of gas and, and get out there and then wait to, to go back on. So that would make sense that it felt quicker because you were playing less time in a sense. You know, I don't, Yes, there is that, but I'm actually thinking about it from the opposite standpoint. And that is that when I'm out there, I think you've hit on something. When I'm out there on a shift, I'm always in the play to some degree, whether I am, you know, actually physically chasing after the ball or the defender or, you know, on the offense, or whether I'm just kind of hanging back. I'm constantly in motion and I'm constantly, you know, moving around to follow the play. When I'm standing in net, I am pretty much moving almost constantly because I'm always positioning myself to be square to the puck wherever it is. However, if the action isn't in my zone and around me and, you know, if people aren't actively taking shots then I'm just watching. Like I I am standing there and I am watching. I'm not in the play. So I can see how from a, you know, perception standpoint, I can experience, you know, subjectively experience the flow of time a little slower when I'm not actually active running around. It could also be the fact that when I'm running around out taking a shift, less oxygen is getting to my brain because I'm using more of it. So I'm just having gaps because I'm out of shape. I I guess that's also a possibility. You know, it's amazing. We're talking deck hockey here, but you've just delved into some philosophies, some uh, psychology and, uh, and science as well. So that that's pretty amazing. And, well done and, and well observed too. Excellent points. That's what you get here on Hit the Deck. I mean, <laughs> what do you think this is? Some Mickey Mouse podcast? I mean, I shouldn't I shouldn't disparage Mickey Mouse podcasts because Disney is a very popular brand, and uh, Disney podcasts are also very popular. And there's some podcasters who work very hard to bring you the latest and and greatest in Disney news and and uh, information and history and what have you. So. You know, to say it's it's like it's like when Gretzky called the Devils a Mickey Mouse organization, <laughs> yeah. except, you know, this eh. actually, I guess the comparison is apt because I don't like the Devils either. But uh, anyway, we've we've moved far afield from what we're supposed to be doing <laughs> in that case. <laughs> James, can you please save the podcast and tell us what is on deck? I'll try, and, and I'll also do my best to try and save you from Superfan Sue, but maybe I'll leave that to your lovely wife. <laughs> Thank <laughs> to you, To protect sir. you. Okay. Special Winter Classic. The big boys played the official NHL Winter Classic on January 1st in Notre Dame, but some other fantastic athletes participated in the deck hockey version of the Classic on New Year's Eve. Hometown Advantage. Rogers Hometown Hockey Tour does it right. We have mentioned it before and need to again because they make sure deck is always a big part of the fun. And Happy New Year! I'm sure glad 2018 is over and hope 2019 is a lot better for all of us. A hockey coach in Maine is thinking way beyond just the new year, though. The American Rhino and I will explain. 
And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. So, uh, I guess, uh, Winter Classic, huh? Yeah, I don't know if uh, anybody caught our tweets while he or she was watching the great game. I enjoyed it between the Blackhawks and the Bruins in Notre Dame. The crowd was tremendous, the huge football stadium, and it looked awesome, and and the weather cooperated and all that. And they even used a special puck, which we'll uh, save that for next edition of Hit the Deck to talk about how cool that was. But um, <laughs> Coming attraction. There you go. But the uh, to lead up to it, which is pretty amazing, is that, and I didn't even know it at the time, but the Special Olympics is in its 50th anniversary. So a gentleman, Mr. Bob Sweeney, president of the Bruins Foundation, thought it would be a great idea to play deck hockey to celebrate the Special Olympics and have these incredible athletes participate in a deck hockey game on New Year's Eve on the grounds where the uh, Winter Classic would be played. That is exceptionally awesome for those athletes. I, I tell you, I hope that the fans watching that game had a better experience than the fans in attendance for the Winter Classic, because apparently the stadium ran out of food and beer halfway through the game. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. Uh, it was quite the catastrophe. Uh-oh. Uh, Shame it, it, on you, Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, what, like 85,000 people or something like that? 76, I, mean, I think. 76,000. Holy moly. Um, okay, well, <laughs> they only had a little time to prepare for it, too. Yeah, who says hockey isn't popular in the United States? <laughs> yeah, wow, okay. But um, other than that, <laughs> at least the NHL had its act together, and, and uh, it looked fantastic on TV. It was mm. a lot of fun. And I'm a big fan of Weezer, the band Weezer, mm. and they played, too, uh, ah. during between periods, which I thoroughly enjoyed as well. For the Winter Classic or, or the Special Olympics one? Oh, I'm sorry, about? yes, for the, for the Winter Classic itself. Oh, okay. New Year's Day, yeah. That would mean, you know what? Weezer, I'd imagine they're, they're cool enough to probably would have played at this deck hockey game on New Year's Eve, too, because they I mean, just seem to be those kind of guys. You got to figure they needed to have a sound check, so maybe, yeah. maybe they did play during the Special Olympics game. Plus, they would have been a lot warmer, too, because this uh, the deck hockey game took place at the Joyce Center, which is where the um, Notre Dame basketball teams play, the men and women. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, well, yeah, it wasn't on the ice or anything like that. No, we I didn't think it was on the ice, ice, but I know sometimes they set up like mini rinks next to the winter class. I have to be honest. I, I'm going to confess this as a, a bad hockey fan. I didn't see the winter classic this year, any of it. So I, I, I don't know. I didn't see the setup. I don't know, you know, how it looked or, or what was in the immediate vicinity of the rink. So I guess that was just my assumption based on the setups from previous years. Yeah. You know what? That, that's a good point. Cause they have like last year when it was at city field and I think people are still thawing themselves out from that experience, how cold it was. I know a friend of the show, John Lenhart, who I know was watching this year's Winter Classic with his family because he's a big Blackhawks fan. Sorry, John. But uh, yeah, yeah he, he was at the Winter Classic at City Field last year, and he could definitely attest that it was frigid. Yeah, uh, but you're right. They did have little rinks set up and, and, and other things. Well, maybe because the baseball field is the way you have more real estate to play around with. So with the football field, with the oval and all that stuff, there wasn't, I guess, or um, maybe they just do it to be different year after year. But uh, I, I didn't notice any rink 
on the outside or for, for deck purposes or any other purposes. But anyway, the, these Special Olympics participants were nice and comfy on the basketball court, and they thoroughly enjoyed themselves too. And the uh, equipment that they used was more like broom hockey. So mm. if anybody's any basketball fan out there is concerned, they didn't scuff the, the floor or anything like that. They were very respectful for that aspect too. So it was just a really wonderful event. Everybody enjoyed himself. Uh, Jack O'Callaghan was there of the U.S. Uh, Olympic fame, 1980 as well as Eddie Olchek, who overcame cancer. So he is a hero not only because of his NHL career, but uh, and he's a great broadcaster, too. But I think the greatest thing is overcoming cancer. So God bless him and all cancer survivors and everybody battling that horrible disease, by the way. Yeah, definitely. And uh, on te- they, they, the teams participating, they had a team from Massachusetts and a team from Illinois to compensate or, or at least represent the actual NHL teams playing in the real Winter Classic itself. Sure. And uh, so one of the uh, MVPs or, or highlights of the members of the Illinois team was Amelia Hernandez, who competed in the 1968 Special Olympics. Awesome. Yeah. And on the Massachusetts side, they had John Dunleavy, who is an employee of the Bruins for the past seven years. So Everybody was able to uh, have fun and, and play well. And as they said, this is a quote of the article that we're borrowing here from Sean Rourke of the NHL.com. And uh, he says that the smiles from the players as well as the organizers as the game progressed was a testament to its success. Yeah, no, I, and that's that's wonderful. But one thing I do have to quibble with just a little bit. They had three minute shifts, which I guess was strictly enforced. Now, I know it's an exciting thing, but guys, don't you know that short shifts leads to fresh legs, which leads to a good game? I mean, you know, discipline. You you gotta you gotta have that shift discipline. That's that's how you win games. Fundamentals. <laughs> they said it was five on five, so I don't know if that's including goalie or not. But yeah, three minutes. If I'm out there for three minutes at a time, I'm camping at the blue line and huffing and puffing and not helping out my goalie. So, Well, that's because you're not a special Olympian, James. Very true. Very, very true. So good point there. Also, as quoted, Mr. Dave Breen, the president and CEO of the Illinois Special Olympics, said, I think it's just great for the athletes to be spotlighted. And I think what it says about the NHL is that they care about people, which I agree 100%. So very well said in uh, credit to the NHL, to the Blackhawks and the Bruins. And uh, again, the NHL does so much for the communities that they, they represent, uh, a lot of it behind the scenes. And this is another example of that, that their hearts are in the right place. They really care. And they even had the Special Olympians participate in the Winter Classic itself as they had tickets and, and were able to enjoy the game between the Bruins and the Blackhawks, too. Wait, they made the NHLers pay for tickets? Um, you know what? They probably would be that generous and cool to, uh, I don't know if the, if the NHL would be that cheap, but um, <laughs> I think that the players would have definitely reached in their pockets gladly yeah, you're to right. honor these uh, special mm-hmm. Olympians. <laughs> and just to your point before about worried about scuffing up the surface, if Madison Square Garden can host a rodeo, as they are doing right now on top of the, the Knicks court and the Rangers ice surface, then I, I'm, I'm sure they can handle a little floor hockey. <laughs> Although, given the complaints that come frequently about the Rangers ice surface, uh, I, you know, maybe that's not the best argument. Uh, yeah, I mean, gosh, uh, MSG, there's always something going on. So that, that's always rough 
to keep the how they keep the ice. Yeah, how they keep the ice at all in playing capacity, especially if the Rangers make it to the playoffs Mm -hmm. and the weather gets warmer. Uh, Really, just amazing how qualified and, and professional and just really incredible the NHL staffers are. Because you're talking about ice, you know, it's, it's not synthetic. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to keep it at that precise temperature and, and consistency is really amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a credit to all. I mean, it's not just it's the garden staff. They do a phenomenal job of turning over that facility, you know, on a dime because mm. there have been days where there's basically back to back Knicks and Rangers home games where they have to completely overhaul the, you know, the the playing area in a matter of a couple of hours. So credit to them. But, you know, across the league, there's really talented and and really capable. I want to say grounds crew, because that's what I know from baseball. I'm not sure exactly what the crew is, you know, called in hockey that that maintains, you know, I guess the facilities staff. Let's call it the facilities staff, because that sounds very like arena, but whatever. Anyway, the, the staffs that maintain these facilities, which sounds redundant given what I just said, but maybe i am hit on something, you know, they're all very capable and very professional. So we should actually, I think they deserve a lot more credit than they get normally. So credit to them. This is, this is your official, you know, helmet tip or mask tip or what have you your your official stick tap from hit the deck for all the hard work that you do yeah and that's another thing that we enjoy about the winter classic is it's really their skills are put front and center right out there because to have the ice outside and still maintain it and and have a zamboni come and refinish it while it's outdoors really absolutely remarkable so great job and yes it's true the msg there's so much going on concerts there there's they had the circus there for many years and monster trucks and tennis and beach volleyball, you know, so it's run the gamut and uh, how they keep the ice in the condition that it's in. It's amazing. But yeah, it, it, I've heard many criticisms of it in years past. I don't know if, if they've developed anything new with the new transformation of the modern garden now after the last three years that they renovated the current garden, but, um, yeah, how they, they pull it off. Uh, I'm not going to, I don't criticize any NHLers because trying to ice skate, I don't know how they do it. Mm. And I'm not going to criticize the people that keep the ice in great condition either. So as long as the players are all, uh, everybody stays healthy. And, um, unlike that stupid glowing puck that Fox developed where they couldn't freeze it. <laughs> and Brian Leach was almost killed because the stupid puck got stuck on the ice. That's a different story. And actually, James, I was remiss in not mentioning this at the top of the podcast, but this is a perfect segue. One of the events that Madison Square Garden has hosted over the years is WrestleMania. And uh, I I would just, I'm sure you echo this, but on behalf of the podcast, I would just like to say, rest in peace, Mean Gene Okerlund. Amen. Well, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. You're in a better place now, dude. Heaven's better off for your presence there, brother. Yeah, wow. Uh, a lot of great wrestlers are up there with him too, so. Yeah, he he uh he will have his pick of interviews. I'm still trying to get over Macho Man, quite frankly, but mm-hmm. Macho anyway. Man was one of his, you know, one of his most yeah. classic interview subjects. Macho Man Ultimate Warrior, yeah. Warrior, well, yeah, <laughs> Warrior. <laughs> he was just or... nuts. Andre Piper. Oh god, oh Piper, the best. We just lost Anvil not long yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 
Uh, yeah, and this is this is a an aside, but I think it was WrestleMania three. I could be wrong about that. It it might have been WrestleMania six, but I I I I, I think it was WrestleMania. No, it would have been three. I think because Andre that was Andre's last big like thing when Hogan uh, slammed him. I think it, it's the the statistic is something like half of the people on the WrestleMania three card have now passed away. Oh boy. So it's, yeah, it's sad. Yeah. You will be missed. Mean Gene. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I guess, you know, that's how it goes. 76. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. I'd take it. <laughs> and given how much he, he professed to enjoy tipping his elbow. <laughs> oh really? You know, okay. I, I guess that's not too surprising. Gotcha. You know, when you live a certain lifestyle, it catches up with you eventually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, well said American Rhino. And thank you for making sure that made it into the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And mean Gene got his start in the AWA, which is in Minneapolis, Minnesota or was, and, uh, you know, Minnesota of course is close to Canada, which is where our, our next story takes place. See what I did there? You're, you're the best. I'm Okay. Yeah, specifically, we're talking about the Hometown Hockey Festival in, uh, how is it pronounced, James? I, I wrote it out phonetically, and I did look this up, but Cowichan Valley, Vancouver. Ah, Cowicha. That's probably <laughs> racist. No, it's, actually, it's, uh, well, native Canadian, I guess you could say, but, um. Cowicha. How I Chan. There's got to be a, a like a cow pun I can make here, but uh, nothing springs to mind. So let's move on. Oh, man. Oh! Yes. You deserve yes, cheers. Indeed. No, I don't. No, I don't. We were just talking about a great broadcasting professional in Mean Gene, and, and you just did him very proud there, man. Are you kidding? Mean Gene would have thrown down the microphone and walked out on that. He's heard a lot worse. I I, 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 I thought it was great. But anyway, uh, yes, the uh, <laughs> Cowichan Valley, Vancouver. So we've talked about this in the past, the uh, Rogers Hometown Hockey Tour, where it's just up in Canada. And if you're not familiar with Rogers, they're basically a company in Canada that provides cell service and internet and TV and all that stuff. And they partnered with Sportsnet Canada to uh, do this tour where they go around the country. And it's usually on a Sunday night. And they host a pregame and post. Well, they host a whole night event that could even last a couple of, of nights for the, the entire thing. But it's, it's centered around a game like the game of the week on a Sunday night. And um, it's a lot of fun and, and really cool things happen there and, and whatnot. And Fans get to get on TV, and there's always celebrities there and all that. So this time, when they stopped over at Cowichan, it's not the biggest place in the world, but uh, they said they had about 8,500 to 9,000 people attending the two-day event. Not bad? Yeah, not bad at all. And they even had some former NHL stars in Brendan Morrison and Jeff Cortnell that showed up. And the hometown hockey hosts in Ron McLean and Tara Sloan were there, obviously, of course, too. Obviously. So everybody... That's right. But among the festivities and the fun, they played ball hockey. Yeah, of course they did. That's right. And uh, so minor hockey teams 
from the area participated in that. And um, they even had more than 700 hockey players between playing in the ball hockey tournament. Even they had a parade and they even helped clean up afterwards. So that's how polite these great Canadians are. So it was just a really great time. And, and the Sunday evening broadcast was centered around the Canucks game as they visited the Jets. Yep. See, that's that's one thing about Canadian hockey hooligans. They'll, you know, punch you out, but they'll help you clean up the blood afterwards because they're that nice. Yeah. Right. Good point. They'll, they'll turn over your car and then they'll go get it detailed. <laughs> hey, good point. A very good point there, too, because um, speaking of Vancouver, that, that just jogged a memory when the Rangers beat the Canucks. And forgive us, uh, any Vancouver fans listening out there in the 94 Stanley Cup that uh, we New Yorkers were celebrating and, and enjoyed ourselves. And the Vancouver fans rioted and turned over cars and started fires and whatnot. So really quite out of character. I, I know that they're extremely passionate about hockey. And I've heard many stories about Olympic competitions and things and, and even NHLers from the States going up to, say, Toronto or Vancouver itself or Ottawa or Montreal that, that their fans kind of have. They let their uh, Philadelphianess come out in them when it comes to their hockey teams. And we will talk about Philadelphianess a little later in the podcast. Don't you worry about that. Yes, sir. But before we get to that, this is something that caught my eye in an article written in SportsTechie.com about biomechanics. Yes. Yeah, so uh, if, if I'm understanding this correctly, this is a company that will analyze your rioting hooliganry. And they will tell you like the the mechanics, what you're doing wrong when you're trying to overturn those cars and and climb up uh, streetlights and poles and things. And uh, when you're you know, so so when you're trying to to punch somebody out, like the make sure that your mechanics are correct so you don't hurt your arm and and, uh, you know, get your your arm slot and angle correctly. So so, you know, you're only hurting the person you're punching. Is, Is that is that right? Is that what they're doing? Well, they're focusing on hockey and golf and baseball right now, but uh, maybe there are there golf is... hooligans. Uh, no, not that I, I know. mean, I can see those clubs could do a lot of damage and you could probably poke somebody's eye out with one of those tees. But, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I didn't know golf fans were that passionate. <laughs> <laughs> they riot very quietly yeah. and they have to be wearing the, the you know, like the, the collared shirts when they do it. Yes, <laughs> actually. How did we get on this page? Uh, that's because I am a crazy person. <laughs> um, um, a, a coach by the name of... <laughs> it's okay, James. Take a breath. The listener will understand. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, a coach by the name of Casey Cox has been at the fore of this and really ahead of his time. But uh, he has focused on amateur hockey and college to professional hockey as well by using biomechanics. And he co-founded a company called Sports Science Solutions, and it's a training program that combines biomechanics, we'll get into what biomechanics are in a minute, with uh, neurological analysis and nutrition. And it starts off from teenagers through the quote-unquote elite level. And again, this is in an article written in sportstechie.com by Jen Booten. So just quoting her uh, analysis there. But the idea is, as Gary was sarcastically saying, but, but truthfully saying as well, is that the 
biomechanics are basically how your body works. And, you know, the human skeleton is, is really fascinating. And, and I think the, the human body is the most amazing machine that there is. So between the muscles and, and all that stuff. So the, the point of this is they have, which I think we've mentioned K-Motion in the past. It's a motion capture company. So they partnered with Mr. Cox. And uh, so they use that information where it focuses on areas of weakness of a player for overcompensating on something. So to focus on the, on the hockey level, it would explain why you may have a weak slap shot or maybe you're doing something that will lead to injury. So just talking about myself, how brutal and, and yes, I, I've tried to play golf too. I have a horrible golf swing. And the, the really crazy thing about how non-athletic I am, that the golf swing and, and the hockey slap shot are very similar motions, baseball swing as well. They're all very similar. And I do the same stupid mistakes in all three. So I, I tend to pull a lot and my balance is off and uh, it's just, it's a big mess. And the biomechanics shows you what you're doing wrong. So it's really pinpoints it. So like, let's say that you may have injured your wrist or something when you were a young kid, uh, your left wrist, okay? And you're a right-handed hockey player, so maybe your wrist shot isn't as good as it should be, so you're overcompensating with your other wrist, and that means you're weak or something like that. So if you keep doing that and you don't realize you're doing it, that could, uh, your balance is off, and uh, it, it shows in weakness, and the, the, the shot is not as accurate as it should be or as strong as it should be, and this would all show that immediately, where the player can focus on it and then the coach can come up with drills to make sure that the player doesn't do that bad habit anymore and then you get your your normal wrist shot or slap shot. Right. So this kind of detects things that aren't readily apparent to the naked eye. So it, this isn't like, oh, you know, you watch tape and say, oh, you're, you know, you're mechanics are off from where they were a year ago by watching film. This is actually using sensors and I guess very sensitive cameras and computers to say, hey, you're it, it, it detects the most minute things. So even if it looks like your mechanics are perfect, it can detect if you are slightly favoring one side or the other or even pushing off from one side and not doing like a balance push off on your shot or what whatever it can detect all these different tiny things that you wouldn't be able to normally notice just by watching film and it can actually use these algorithms to predict what is going to lead to injury down the line because you're favoring one side over the other or you're doing something that maybe makes you a little sore when you're younger, but down the line can lead to a serious injury. Like maybe you take a shot that you think is just a hard shot and it's your regular shot. And after a game of shooting, your shoulder's a little sore. It can predict just for example, okay, if you keep doing this, it could lead to a torn rotator cuff down the line or something of that nature. Uh, just to kind of give you an example, in a recent study of female hockey players in their teens, this is according to the writer of the article, Jen Booten, Cox put K-Motion's technology to the test to see if he would be able to predict seasonal injuries. And he pinpointed nine girls that he was concerned would be prone to injury. I guess something he saw in their motion or, or what have you 
indicated to him, oh, you may have something that could be a problem down the line. And given their severe imbalances, that's what kind of uh, caused him to solo these women out. So two weeks after the initial tests, six out of the nine women were already hurt, with five of those injuries tied directly to the biomechanical imbalances that were observed through this system. So... I mean, that's kind of instant results there, and it probably doesn't usually play out quite so dramatically and quite so quickly, but it's kind of a a proof of concept in the worst possible way. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's the point that they focus on teenagers because their bodies are developed enough and they still have enough to go to progress to become adults. And uh, when you're talking about athletes, too, you're talking early 20s your quote-unquote prime, you know, if you make it to the bigs wherever you are, if you're trying to make it to the NHL or the MLB, wherever, that, uh, you know, soccer, they're, they're so young. But from like 18 through 28 is that that's it. It's such a small window. And to make sure that these athletes are progressing properly. And another thing is that he wanted to focus on is what makes the excellent athletes excellent and the good athletes just good or not able to get to that next level and to split hairs like this and to analyze in such detail and catch it so quickly that who knows, he he may revolutionize sports in the future that, you know, already you see that athletes are much younger now. They're much more well prepared. Their nutrition is is great and, and so much better than it's ever been. And their workout regimens are real healthy for example, like in baseball, they don't have pitchers throwing curveballs until you're old enough to properly do so or else you'll you know, burn your arm out. You know, 13-year-olds aren't supposed to be throwing curveballs and things of that nature. So just like that, uh, yeah, Gary even mentioned too, the rotator cuff, little things that could be nagging injuries and, and maybe even prevent you from having a normal life after. You know, you, you talk about athletes that retire young and they have bad knees or joint problems or whatever the case is, they could develop arthritis and things like that. So in concussions, as we've talked about too. So really, this is amazing. Yeah, James, I got to be honest. I'm of two minds about this whole thing. On the one hand, let me say, of course, obviously anything that prevents people from getting hurt playing sports is to be applauded. You know, it's, it's, it's a good thing, full stop. But on the other hand, and this is my kind of old traditional mindset coming out, I guess, I feel like when you're micromanaging people's mechanics to this degree, you know, I mean, at what point is it just basically reducing people to robots with, you know, perfect mechanics and and no like kind of eccentricities and no like unique, you know, I know it's kind of selfish, but how many players stand out over the course of sports history just because they have a unique mechanic, you know, like the your submariners, uh, you're pitching in baseball or, or, you know, your, your, your crazy batting stances in baseball, or even, you know, the, the, your, take a goalie, uh, consider how the goalie stance has evolved over the years and, and how people have, you know, changed in, in making saves and, and even down to hockey, how people take shots, you know, I, I, I it's, it is good that people are going to be getting hurt less by adjusting their mechanics, it's good, especially considering 
how hyper aware we are now of how dangerous sports injuries can be. But uh, like I said, there, there, there's just the old traditionalist in me kind of has has a little bit of an objection to this, like, you know, micromanaging of of how people do every little thing in sports and also get off my lawn. <laughs> Fair enough. Your kids Real? with your safe mechanics and your less inevitable injuries. We are talking about human beings here too. So good yeah. point. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it'll be a good thing to keep an eye on going forward just to see if it does catch on and whether or not I personally embrace it fully. I, I think, you know, if it does good and does prevent people from being injured, I guess I can get over it. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying totally. And I think that maybe with having something, and I'm sorry for keep using the phrase biomechanics, I just don't know any other adjectives to describe it, but our bodies are different. You know, the people are tall, people are short, people are stocky. Like take Gretzky, for example, you know, he's over six feet and I think he weighed like 190 pounds, 200 pounds or something in the NHL. How he didn't get broken apart is beyond me. But he was quick, so he was, and plus he had players to protect him to make sure that he wouldn't get railroaded. And the beauty of the NHL is that they do a good job to keep their stars on the ice for a majority of time. But there is a, a suitor out there, or some cheap shot idiot that'll hit you or when you're not looking. But anyway, I think that it, it could make itself pertain to any kind of shape or be that specific because, like I was saying for myself, I tend to pull things. So mm. I'm, if I'm, I'm playing hockey and I'm a right-handed shot, I usually shoot towards the left because I'm pulling all the time and I completely miss the goal most times. So maybe that would be something that it would show that the way my legs are designed, or maybe I'm a little bow-legged or something, or I'm not turning my hips properly or something of that nature that uh, it, it would pertain to that. So, okay, yeah, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And you're right that you don't want everybody to be a robot and, and have look the same out there, skate the same, play the same, that, that would be really boring. Like Sedano Chara, imagine that uh, if you could teach that slap shot. But one of the things that makes him so unique is that he's so big and strong and, and could whip that puck like that. And that has a lot to do with the equipment too. But I do think that maybe there are certain things you need to do that you could still be an individual, but you know still have that proper stance or follow through or things like that. All right. Well, that is definitely a fair point. And as I said, we'll see where it goes. But I will tell you, one person who is not concerned with preventing injury is a certain giant orange mental patient whose antics we will tell you all about on our favorite recurring segment this week in Gritty. This week in Gritty. And so what has Gritty been up to, James? Well, it, it has been more than one week. It's been uh, two weeks, I believe, or thereabouts since we last had a chance to record. But, well, let's just, let's just, or three. Since we actually recorded, I think it's been three weeks. We've missed two weeks, but it's been three weeks since we, anyway, let's catch you up on what he's been up to. So, well, first of all, tis the season. <laughs> <laughs> or twas, twas the season, I suppose. And Gritty was, in fact, in the holiday spirit. And he was doing what Gritty does. And that is be a menace to society. So <laughs> at a recent Flyers game, 
gritty. I, I don't know what precipitated this, but he decided to go on a basically on a Santa murder spree. So he himself was dressed as the jolly old elf. And if you'll recall from our last episode, we did our, our This Week in Gritty segment and we mentioned how a local DJ's daughter made a, a sketch of Santa that looked like Gritty. So I guess he's decided to complete the ensemble by dressing the part. And so basically he was dressed as Santa and there were a bunch of other Santas that were skating out on the ice and Gritty decided to just start attacking them, like just checking them and throwing them hard down to the ice. I, I, I don't know if they agreed to this or they knew what was going to happen. But yeah, Gritty, Gritty just started manhandling Santas. I mean, it is Philadelphia and they do have a reputation for that sort of thing. But even still watching it, it was a little disturbing. For me, the most disturbing was the Santa that he chased down. There was one Santa that was trying desperately to escape and Gritty was like charging after him like a lion after a gazelle and he unfortunately caught him right at the goal line next to the net and he tried to horse collar him with a wreath and when the wreath would not fit over this santa's head gritty just kind of grabbed him from behind and rode him down to the ice then stood up skated away and threw the wreath at him as he was laying on the ice santa claus I didn't get that far because, yeah, as you said, it was extremely disturbing. But that is that is that is wow. And perhaps the whole idea of eliminating all other clauses that Gritty was embracing here was because he himself wanted to take over Christmas because he posted a video, a short video to his Twitter and Instagram where he seemed to be sitting in some kind of Christmas throne, rummaging through Santa's sack and stealing letters from children and coal. What? Yeah, I, I, I don't. It's gritty. I, I really you'd think we would stop being surprised by now, but it's gritty. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> and uh, and the, the the festivities did not end there. This was not specifically Christmas themed. This was just another, you know, uh, kind of incident, uh, another bit of hijinks that that Gritty got up to. I guess Gritty was in the Flyers office during the holiday break for whatever reason. And he and Scott Hartnell were having some fun. And uh, first he kind of suggested that Scott Hartnell should retire. And then they were kind of playing with each other in the men's room just oh i don't know watch the i'm not i don't even know and uh you know all of this isn't really worth mentioning until the final incredibly disturbing part of the video wherein they're playing rock paper scissors and i guess gritty loses because the next thing you know gritty is standing outside on a street corner naked holding a sign that says Scott Hartnell is cool. What the heck? Like, seriously, guys, I don't know what's in the water in Philly, but you need to get some Brita filters or something because <laughs> this will not stand. The rest of the country is watching you guys. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the laws aren't being broken here or, or at least 
I mean, it's are basically the Wild West. So yeah, exactly. It's literally called the Wells Fargo Center. You, well, good point, but oh my goodness. I mean, nothing Gritty does at this point will surprise any of us, I think. I don't know. I'm glad I don't have children because I don't think, and I'm really glad I'm not a Philly fan because I don't think I could endorse or feel comfortable about any of these things that this guy's up to. But wow, we, that is, that is something else. And that was this week in Gritty. This week in Gritty. And that is, uh, I think, a great place to wrap this thing up, James. Agreed? Amen, brother. Last minute remaining in the podcast. All right, we have a chord. Well, in that case, then let us finish out this podcast first by giving the appropriate kudos to everyone that deserves to be thanked for this podcast, namely Pops for being the voice of the podcast, Anthony Sajazi for providing music, the LIQ for sound effects, and of course you, dear listener, for listening to Hit the Deck. Without you, we could not and would not do this show. So we would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so, so that you can always get a piece of this hit the deck action. If you want to reach out to us or talk to us, you can contact us at hit the deck at gmail.com. We can be got on Twitter at hit the deck pod and we are at hit the deck on Facebook and Instagram where you can check out some cool photos of jerseys and microphones and what not courtesy of these guys right here and of course i would always encourage you to check out our youtube channel because we got stuff there as well and if you missed our christmas scrimmage which was live and in color you can not only check out james's spanky new jersey i don't know why i called it spanky but it's nice uh nice new jersey and speaking of new jersey you can also check out superfan sue who was our special guest on the Christmas scrimmage and that can be found on our Facebook page. So, so go check that out. James, is there anything that you would care to add? Uh, yes. Thank you, sir. I just want to let everybody know out there that if you're looking for places to play deck, check out the Columbus deck hockey association, the now called Charlotte street hockey league and the Raleigh street hockey league as well. And of course our own LIQ. Thank you, James. And thank you, uh, sir. Oh, my pleasure. So I guess, that even though it is a new year, I will still end the podcast with the same old sentiment. <laughs> and that is namely that whether you are getting to participate in the Winter Classic or whether you are playing in a fun Canadian hockey festival, whether you are identifying your mechanical missteps for a better you, or whether you are an insane orange Santa who is claw-snapping Christmas. Regardless of whatever you find yourself doing, I would always urge you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. If Gritty finds out where I live, it's over.